Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Good morning church. Thank you for the opportunity to share God's word with you today. And for those that don't know me and for those joining us online, my name is Andrew and I'm part of the team here at Bridge City Church. Now, before I begin, I'd like to pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your incredible privilege that it is to come together to worship you this morning and to study your word. I ask that as I share the word you have given me, that you will speak to each person here and online, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will minister to each of them in their place of need. I pray you will bless all those listening to this message and draw each person closer to you today. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. This morning, I'd like to direct your thoughts to two ordinary people that God used in a mighty way. Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus. The first scripture I'm sharing this morning is found in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 7, verse 14. If you have your Bibles with you. Just finding it. I know, that's for you, Lynn. All right then, the Lord said, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Like Robin said in his communion message, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus 700 years before his birth. 700 years. How amazing. The scripture I'd like to share with you now talks about the birth of our Lord and Saviour. Reading from the New Living Translation in Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Just just hold on to that thought, a righteous man. And did not want to, to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, 
the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as, as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I'd like to acknowledge Mary Fairchild now reading from her article titled Meet Jesus, Meet Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. You see, God chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. Joseph was a righteous man. His actions towards Mary, his fiancée, revealed that he was a kind and a sensitive man. When Mary told Joseph that she was pregnant, he had every right to feel disgraced. See, Joseph knew that the child was not his own. And Mary's apparent unfaithfulness carried a grave of social stigma. See, under Jewish law, she should have been stoned to death. And although Joseph's initial reaction was, was to break the engagement, the appropriate thing for a righteous man to do. He continued to treat Mary with extreme kindness. You see, he did not want to cause any further shame, so he decided to act quietly. And God sent an angel to Joseph to verify Mary's story and to reassure him that his marriage to her was God's will. And Joseph willingly obeyed God in spite of the public humiliation that he knew he would be facing. The Bible doesn't reveal too many details about Joseph's earthly role as the father of Jesus. As we read, as we read in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph, Joseph was an excellent earthly example of integrity and righteousness. Joseph is last mentioned in scripture when Jesus is just 12 years old. Now we know that he passed on the carpentry trade to his son and raised him one second and raised him in, in the Jewish traditions. But he's not mentioned at all after that. And Jesus, as we know, did not begin his earthly ministry until he was 30 years old. And until that time, he supported his mother Mary and his younger brothers and sisters with the carpentry trade that his father had taught him. So in addition to love and guidance, Joseph had equipped Jesus with a worthwhile occupation so that he could make a way in a hard land. Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus, the man entrusted to raise the Son of God. He was a carpenter, an ordinary man with no, no special upbringings, no, no special skills. He was just an ordinary, humble bloke who simply obeyed God 
in the face of severe humiliation. Joseph did the right thing before God. He was a man of strong conviction who lived out his beliefs through his actions. He's described in the Bible as a righteous man. Even when personally wronged, he had the quality of being sensitive to someone else's shame. Joseph responded to God in obedience, self-control, and is a wonderful biblical example of integrity and godly character. And God honoured Joseph's integrity by entrusting him with a great responsibility. As a parent myself, I know it's not easy to trust your kids to someone else. But can you imagine God looking down from heaven, looking to choose a man to raise his son as his earthly father? Joseph had God's trust. See, Joseph could have acted severely towards Mary's apparent indiscretion. But he chose to offer love and mercy, even when he thought he'd been wronged. See, walking in obedience to God may result in humiliation and disgrace before men. But when we obey God, even in the face of adversity and public shame, he leads us and he guides us. I have, as I'm sure most of us here in the room, have experienced adversity and, and public shame at some point in our lives. See, my, my first marriage ended um, and I was living in a, a very small rental house with one trailer load of belongings. 38 years of life, I had one trailer load of belongings to my name. And, and often, no money. <laughs> no money left to buy in to buy food. But I did find out that you can survive for quite some time on baked beans on toast and peanut butter sandwiches. I was, I was, I was lonely. I, I was feeling very sad for myself. And I had thoughts of suicide. I, I just wanted to end it all. But then a friend introduced me to Jesus. And the more I got to know him, the more internal peace that I discovered. And over time, God has led me to be part of the solution in helping others. I was able to take my mind off of what I was going through and focus on showing love and kindness to others. Going through these circumstances was not easy. But as I trusted God and walked in his ways, rather than letting the circumstances dictate to me, as I allowed God to lead me and guide me, he transformed me from the inside out. God renewed my heart. And he has blessed me abundantly, I mean abundantly, in every area of my life. Which is how I have the privilege of standing here before you this morning. I ask you today to allow God to guide you and to lead you in all that you do. Ask God how you can show righteousness, how you can show integrity, and how you can offer love and mercy to those around you. My prayer today 
is no matter what we are faced with, we will continue to be obedient to God. I pray that we will continue to display his love and, and his mercy. See, it's not our love, it's not our mercy, it's his. And we will continue to be sensitive to the people around us, just as Joseph was. And now when I look at Mary, Joseph's partner and the mother of Jesus. We read about Mary in the book of Luke, starting from chapter 1, verse 26 onwards. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, this is important, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What a statement. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. <clears throat> Mary, just like Joseph, was favoured by God. But what did she do to attract his favour? Again, like Joseph, it was the way that she lived her life. You see, Mary was, was pure. She was humble and she was obedient. Pure as she was engaged to be married, but had refrained from sexual contact. Humble as she had considered herself to be the Lord's servant. Obedient as she gave an instant response to God. 
Now we, just like Mary, can attract God's favour by living a life of purity, of humility and of obedience to God. Jesus makes it very clear that purity begins in the heart. He asked us to constantly examine our hearts and to flee from temptations. But sadly, we live in a very permissive society where pretty much anything goes. But we we need to be careful to measure our behaviour against the word of God, not the expectations of society. Mary lived a pure life. We can choose to lead a pure life before God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, because we all will be, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. If we have anything in our lives causing us to stumble, we need to get rid of it. It's, it's that simple. For example, if, if someone has an alcohol addiction, it's probably not a good idea to hang out in pubs. But temptation is, is a part of life. And sometimes it can't be avoided. But God always gives us a way out. With God's help, we can flee from temptation and we can remain pure in him. God also wants us to surrender any of the dark areas, the dark corners of our life. Any areas of our lives that we're trying to hold on to, that we're trying to keep hidden. In Luke 11.36 it says, If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. A pure heart is one that has been given completely to God. We need to keep our thoughts pure. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We can keep our thoughts pure by regularly reading God's word and praying without ceasing. We need to set our minds on things that are holy and pure. There is a reason why God asks us to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all about minds the world is constantly bombarding us with temptations constantly and it's much easier to give in 
when we aren't focused on the things of God. A pure heart is one that is totally, totally given over to God. And Mary showed a humble heart. Mary was humble in that she knew that she was a person of lowly position. And she was probably aware of, of her, her own human failings. See, we too are all too aware of our hum, human failings and, and the depths of our sins. But like Mary, we have such a wonderful reason to praise God. The more unworthy we are, the more we should sing in our hearts. Praise our Saviour, who has claimed us as his own. Taking our punishment, dying on our behalf, so we can raise to a new life in him. The less worthy we are, the more we should sing of his grace. At every stage in our Christian walk and in every area of our serving God, pride is our greatest enemy. And humility is our greatest friend. God-centred thankfulness helps us grow in humility as it stops pride from growing. Confessing our sins to God reminds us of who we are and it gives us a deep appreciation of what God has done for us in dying for our sins. God's forgiveness gives us peace and security and therefore the freedom to grow in humility. Having a sense of humour keeps us humble in that being able to laugh at ourselves helps us quickly swallow our pride. It, it means that we can more quickly admit we're wrong and it means we're more real. When we are humble, it's best for others and, and it's best for ourselves. People who are humble inspire the trust and the confidence of all those around them. Listening to others and asking questions is a sign of humility. It's also a sign of loving people. See, this is a famous quote I'm sure you've heard many times before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is when you consider other people's interests before your own. Thinking what is best for the other person and then acting on it. Mary was obedient. She made an instant response to God. She didn't stop and consider the outcomes for herself. She said yes to God simply because he had asked her. We can develop obedience to God by staying in his word, making the reading of his word a daily habit. Just like we need food each day to sustain our bodies, we need the word of God to feed our spirits. We can develop obedience to God 
by developing a constant awareness of the Holy Spirit within us in everything we say, everything we do, and everything we think. Realising that our innermost thoughts are heard by him. Our innermost thoughts are heard by God. Sometimes that's scary. We can develop, we can develop obedience by loving God and loving people. When we truly love someone, we will always want what's best for them. We will do pretty much anything to help them, support them in any way that we can. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, it says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23 says, This is what I told them. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Do everything as I say and all will be well. What a wonderful, wonderful promise from God. See, we need to show our obedience to him by acting immediately when he prompts us to do something or to say something. Jesus was obedient to his father unto death. Continuing, continuing to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 39 onwards. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honoured that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responded, I how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all 
prefer him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then she went back home. When Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she was full of joy, which she expressed through singing the song of praise. Mary was full of faith to believe that God Almighty could do what he said he would do. And Elizabeth was also full of faith because she had seen God perform a mighty miracle in, in her life. And she was an old and previously unable to have children. Mary's faith, combined with Elizabeth's faith, resulted in the combined praise for God. It is this combined faith that transforms these two ordinary women of very little importance into strong, prophetic, praise-filled women who were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What a wonderful example for us and an encouragement to make sure that we have a friend like this in our lives to share mutual encouragement, prayer and praise. Iron, sharpening iron. Earlier I spoke of Joseph and I've just shared a little bit about Mary. It is the union of these two that is the example of fruitfulness. Despite circumstances, as, as a direct result, in trusting God. The power of team, which is applicable to, the, us, to us today, as it was to these guys back then. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As individuals, and as couples, we can be fruitful in God if we walk in obedience to him. As Mary sang, she sang, the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. Today, let, let's turn our minds, our hearts to God, to Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has done great things for us. We love him because he first loved us.
God, outside of time, loved us before the beginning of creation. Knowing that we would not be able to save ourselves, out of his infinite love for us, he sent his precious son, Jesus, to be born as a baby, fully human, fully divine, wonderful saviour, almighty God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning with deep, heartfelt thanks for who you are and what you have done for us. Sometimes it's hard to comprehend that we are of infinite worth to you in all of our brokenness, yet as we read your word, we know that it is the truth. You, the God of the universe, clothed yourself in human skin, came to earth as a baby so that you could die, taking the punishments that should have been ours. Lord Jesus, we thank you. As we ask you, our sins are immediately forgiven, that we are free to walk in right relationship with you, that you remove our sins far from us as the east is from the west. And when we ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of our life, Thank you for this never-ending, eternal love that you have so freely poured out on us. We are blessed beyond anything that we can understand. Please help us to develop spirits that are pure, humble and obedient as we continue to walk in the leading of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We are in awe of you. We thank you and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.